the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. My name is Paul Peck with the creator, founder, and guru of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti, our third wheel Kevin Sylvester on assignment this week. So, Mike, it's up to you and I to carry the load, and you get to do it today with the thing that you love talking about the most. We're going to talk a lot of baseball today. Yeah, at least to uh, get going here. It's the, it's the hot topic right now in terms of the Hall of Fame class. A nice big Hall of Fame class, by yeah, the way, right? Yeah, and, and, and we're getting to that point now, I think, in all of our lives where most of us have seen the entire careers of the guy yeah. from rookie on of the guys that are getting into the Hall of Fame, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, for, for most of our childhood, it was you knew they were great players. You saw them at the end. You didn't necessarily know why they were as great as they were. But now we're now these are literally guys that have come in when we were young baseball fans or middle-aged baseball fans, and you get to say, I saw every single year this guy played which is pretty cool yes and uh and just on a personal note what's cool for me is you know our our spot track data only goes back so many years it's just you know what's been available to me how how much time i've had to put these guys in things like that these are four guys i had in spot track so so that's that's neat for me as you know as my system sort of evolves with the with the age here but um boy these are all timers it's hard to argue any of these guys. We're, we're, yeah. we're going to argue them a little bit, <laughs> but and plenty of people are doing that this morning. And, you know who got in, who got snubbed, that kind of thing. But we're going to take our spin on it because these are four very different baseball players for a lot of reasons. Um, but man, no uh, no mega stars, right? Isn't that where we should start here? I would disagree with you on that. Let me just say this. We're going to talk a lot about the Baseball Hall of Fame vote, and then obviously Mike's going to put his spin on what it sort of tells you about the way teams have been built, the way they have spent their contract, their money. We're also going to talk a little bit of football before we're done here on this uh, 62nd edition of the Spot Track. We're obligated to, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to talk about the two teams that are not in the Super Bowl, that were in the championship games, and what their offseason is shaping up like. And we'll dabble into a little NBA as well, too. But like we said, in the doldrums of winter here, we get the rare chance to talk about baseball that is not uh, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and why haven't they signed. So if you haven't heard already, the latest Hall of Fame class announced Mariano Rivera, the first player ever to be unanimously voted in, and he'll be joined by former Oriole and Yankee Mike Messina along with the great designated hitter from the Mariners, Edgar Martinez. And why am I zoning out on the last one? Doc Roy Holiday. Oh, there you go. Doc Holiday. The late. Yeah, the late Doc Holiday and and what a dominating player he was and unfortunately his life cut short. So though that's your Hall of Fame class. So um oh, just generally like you said, I don't have any quibbles with any of these yeah. guys. They were all among the greatest best players in the game when they played. So I don't have any any faults with any of them. I think the interesting dynamic of what went down was Mariano Rivera becomes the first unanimous player ever. And not to say that he isn't worthy of it, but when you look back at all the other great players and realize none of them were unanimous, you're like, hmm, I don't know that I would say Rivera would be the one who clearly had no doubts or questions compared to the Ripkins and some of the other greats of the world. Yeah, that's where I stand too. I'm fine with him getting 100% of the vote, but it's semantics. Right. I mean, it's 
I think you, you kind of mentioned before we got on, on the air here that, you know, there were some behind the scenes where somebody wanted to not vote for him and they basically threw that guy out of the room. Yeah, that, that I don't care much for that. You yeah. know, I mean, again, if, if and, and from what I understand, the story is there's one writer who just generally has not valued closers enough to vote for them and has kind of made a stand on, on his own personal. And that's fine. Yes. You can agree with it or disagree with it. But you, when you get a vote, you get a right to decide what you think you want to do. And and for the Hall of Fame to know that he wasn't going to vote for Rivera to ruin the unanimous pick and then sort of move him out was a little shady to me. They're, they're really just creating a storyline is what yes. they're doing. Here's my problem with it. You, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. He had a legitimate reason for not wanting to vote for him. He was a relief, a closer. It, it, it's it's a kind of commodity position, or it was back then. Um, I'm a Griffey guy. I'm a Griffey Jr. guy since I was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. All the commercials, everything that went with him in terms of a long career, everything. It, it's a shame that he wasn't the 100% guy, right? Because what's, what's your angle there? He was kind of a jerk to the media. I mean, what's your angle there? Yeah, I mean, I, right? I, I, can, I can understand somebody saying Mo Rivera was a closer, so I'm not going to vote for him first ballot. I can actually get around that if, if that's where you stand. There's no, there's no stance for Griffey. He did everything you asked him to. He got hurt a little bit. You know, he missed some games there. Who doesn't? Of course. Played in a smaller market, was dedicated yeah. to a smaller market, yeah, didn't exactly. run for the cash necessarily like some other guys have done. Went home to Cincinnati to finish out. I mean, he did everything right. Yeah. So I, yeah. That's where I'm, I'm in terms of the voting, the voting and, and the percentages I, last year with Griffey or a couple years back with Griffey. That's where I, I really got a, got messed up. So this class is great. Good for Mo getting 100 percent. I'm glad we've got that monkey off our back now going forward and we can get other guys in, you know, who do deserve it. And there's really no question. Um, let's start with Doc because. He's sort of the the natural position here, right? The starting mm-hmm. pitcher. Sure. The, the, he the was number the, one, chew up the innings, throw him. him out when you need a win kind of guy. That's it. He's the innings hog who also, you know, had a couple of no hitters. One in the postseason, by the mm-hmm. way, which pretty much locked his Hall of Fame candidacy. He was the best pitcher in the game for a stretch. True. He was. And that's enough, Right. I think so. It's enough. It's a at, at that position at that as the number one starting pitcher. It's a starting pitching, and again, as your numbers, and you'll get into that in a minute. It, with the career earnings show yeah. you how valuable that position is. Oh, of course. Um, but I'm thinking. I'm trying to compare what we're talking about here to, to now, because there's going to be a shift, and this is this is sort of the one A of that shift is the guys that are going in aren't going to be your 75 home run, you know, per year guys. The 300 win, you know, starting pitchers; those days are done. And there gone. may not be another 300. That's, yeah, win we're pitcher. going to talk Moose here in a second, and he's sort of the uh, the poster boy for this. But, but Doc was at least for a snapshot the best pitcher in baseball. He pitched a ton of innings. He struck out a ton of guys. Had a ton of wins. Take it or leave it. If you need that, um, didn't play in gigantic markets. Nope. Right, Philly, Toronto. I mean, decent markets. You know, important markets, but not monster markets. Um, but I'm trying to think of like a Jacob deGrom right now. Has Jacob deGrom done enough already? Not yet. No? Because no, he's sort of in that, in that Roy Holiday kind of mantra right now, right? After he's last th- year, yeah, But sure. he's been doing this for about two and a half years, mm-hmm. right? He sort of got here late to the game, so he's not going to have the 15-year career that some of these guys that are going in have. But, I, but I'm sort of relating that to a deGrom situation. I mean, Kershaw's in. Kershaw, so, yes. So he's done. <laughs> yes. But, but this next wave of current generation... I, I think we're, we're sort of Scherzer? equating, yeah, 
Yeah, Scherzer's got like seven Cy Youngs, though. Scherzer's in. I mean, you're the numbers guy. Scherzer's numbers are not all that much different than Kershaw's, right? In 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 a lot of ways. Uh, But Scherzer's got strikeouts. Well, that's what I'm saying. He has loves strikeouts. Oh, sure, absolutely. No question. Um, Scherzer's already in, so I think I'm I'm putting him and Kershaw. Are Scherzer and Kershaw the last? Going to be the last. Sort of stat mega stat yeah. monster, like number one, like every four days. You know, I mean, like I said, 300 wins, I think, is not going to happen anymore. No. But 200 win, 225, 250. I mean, are, 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 as the game is changing now away from the guy who chews up six, seven, eight innings every four days, are we never going to see guys like that anymore? Are they the last ones? Yes. And and let's get to that. Let's get to Moussina because Moose... It's 270 wins, yep. not a ton of strikeouts. I mean, plenty of strikeouts. He more w- of a finesse guy than a power finesse, guy. More of a right? Greg Maddox, right? But not yes. Greg Maddox. <laughs> right, but not Greg Maddox. I mean, seven gold gloves, so he could he could feel the position, similar to Maddox. Not a ton of strikeouts. Did, didn't go out there and give you nine. You know, he, he relied on, you know, some bullpens. But that's not his fault. That's the game's changing. That's, that's where like, we're going. Again, we have to understand and you have to explain that, that you can't fault Mike Messina for not completing games and throwing nightings because the game didn't ask him to do that. I, I'm certainly not. I'm saying the Hall of Fame used to. Yeah, but then that that's where that's the onus on the Hall of Fame voters to understand the generations. But but I'm I'm pleased to see him in. I'm pleased to see him in because like I said, he's sort of the poster boy for this shift to the next generation, right? True. This yes. shift to I see where you're there's going. There's a yes. seven, eight, and nine guy now. You know, right. there's a there's a format in place that right. didn't exist, right? right? You can't you can't discredit a guy like Messina or these guys we're talking about now in this generation for not going eight or nine because they, they're not allowed because to. Because in 10 years, people are going to go, oh my God, I can't believe what Mike Messina yeah. did. No one does that anymore. Because doctors stepped in and said, no, no, stop. Right. Right. If you're going to pitch at 19, you can't be doing this at 30 anymore. Right. right? So Exactly. So yeah, this is sort of, Messina is the poster boy for the money ball, the analytics, the, those advanced stats. And it took a lot of guys and maybe some younger voters to get involved to say, hey, this guy doesn't ma- you know, measure up to you know, the Kofaxes and, the, and those guys that are in. But we, we're, those days are done. We got to stop doing that. It's 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 impossible to, to compare today's pitchers to five years ago. No question. And, I, and <laughs> I've, it's always something that I've done through my entire career is try to uh, try to relate and understand context. And yeah. everything in sports has context. And and what's happening now um, is hard to compare to what happened fifteen or twenty years ago. You know, because of what the game was and and quarterbacks are throwing for crazy yards and touchdowns now well yeah but but the game is different than it was so you can't yeah. fault marino and elway and those guys for not having those kinds of numbers 15 years ago because the game didn't require those yeah, numbers. that's a great little tangent how are you going to value running backs in this generation well your running backs are all great that's a great well wide receivers i think are are I, you know there's, right. a, there's so much and, and there likely will be in another week when certain wide receivers don't get into the nfl hall of fame and there's a crazy outcry over chris carter how to wait and all these other guys well be, because every great receiver that comes out now is it has ridiculous numbers and and uh you know you, they don't all get in you can't all get them all in at once so now they, they the receiver position you've had to wait a couple of years so not that you're not worthy but you're just you're not getting in right away well a, a lot of the guys in, in question too have some uh some personality that issues. is true <laughs> so, but but the running back question is a well, great question let's bring it back to baseball because i think what you're saying is sort of relevant to baseball and especially with with a guy with Edgar Martinez and Mariano Rivera on this ballot is those guys had 
specific roles. Yes. And, and the game's getting away from In that. In many years, Martinez was sort of looked down upon sure. because all he did was DH, right? Right. Well, you know, and people his, would people would you know rub their noses at that because all he was was a DH. There was a well, lot of generation of baseball there where that was seen as a position when you played when you couldn't play any other. And and not just he was just a DH, but his 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 standard batting numbers. And I'm giving air quotes here. His standard right. batting numbers didn't hold up to like what if Hank Aaron was just a DH? Correct. And that's where people got got diluted. Right? Is is he didn't have these monster sexy numbers in comparison to guys who play defense and hit the ball. So I'm glad Edgar's in because Edgar is a Mosina for me in terms of the bat. He is the five-tool guy. He did everything. He hit doubles when guys were hitting home runs. He hit, I mean, he he was a... He hit for average when 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 average was kind of a middle infielder thing. Right, and we're back to that. Yeah. (laughs) Right, doubles and and batting average mean jack squad right now to baseball, except for me because, you know, I, I still value that kind of stuff. Right. And I think... I think we're going to have, it's going to be cyclical. I think we're going to see that come back eventually here when pitchers figured out how to stop home runs from going out of the ballpark. Yeah. Um, but to, I love this class for all of this. I love that there's Roy Holiday, who's sort of like the old school pitcher who gets in. You know, he's a no brainer getting in. You've got Messina, who you've really got to dig deep statistically to see his value, right? I mean, he had, he had some moments. I mean, you, you, you bring him out of the bullpen in the World Series at Yankee Stadium. That's that's a Hall of Fame moment, right? Sure. I mean, sure. He was a big part of a lot yeah. of winning with the Yankees and even the Orioles for sure. a while too. He, I mean, he's clutch guy. He a lot he, a lot of the buzzwords you need to get into the Hall of Fame he possessed. But statistically speaking, nothing stood off the page. You really had to sort of dig deep. Like I said, sabermetrics love Mike Messina. So if you're in that boat. This is a win for you. This is a win for me, guys like me, because it's a it's a it's a breath of fresh air, and hopefully, it means that you know guys in, in today's game, who are you know, swinging with launch angle, <laughs> you know, maybe they're going to be devalued a little bit. You know, may, I want to see the guys like you know Carlos Beltran and those guys who are similar to Edgar in terms of it, it mattered to them to get three out of four bats, you know, in, in play. It mattered. It didn't. It wasn't just about getting that one ball out of the ballpark, which is sort of the mindset right now. Um, I want to see that valued not only in, during the the regular season and the postseason, but in terms of the Hall of Fame ballot too. So this is a this is a, a good ballot for me. I'm happy there's four you know guys like you said generational that we've sort of grown up with here, and we we know the span of their careers on the field. Uh, just four good guys too. Yeah, um, <laughs> as you look at the career earnings, it sort of tells you the story of what's valued and maybe in Edgar's case, what's not. Mariano yeah. Rivera, $169.6 million of career earnings. Roy Halladay, $156.7. Mike Mussina, $147. And then you drop about $100 million down <laughs> to the career earnings of Edgar Martinez at $51.7 million. Yeah, Edgar never really cashed in. And you could understand that he was always the third or fourth guy on the team. I mean, you were talking Griffey, sure. Buner, uh, A-Rod for a bit there. Right. And then you had Randy Johnson. I mean, you had some some major, major all-stars ahead of him in terms and maybe of the that, And maybe order. he was because he wasn't a position player and because he wasn't deemed oh, yeah. as valuable as some of those other guys. I, it's interesting to see where we're going with that, right? Because yeah. if you can hit a, home, hit, a, hit a home run these days, you're going to get paid. What determines how you get paid? And no, yeah. you know that better than anybody. And yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so that, that the, the numbers, obviously, starting pitchers, again, back in that era, were pretty much the number one thing every team wanted and was willing to pay for was the big-time innings hog start or the, or the great closer. And again, Mariano Rivera had lucky enough to play in New York 
on teams that won. So yeah, you know, again, you don't, if you're not a great reliever, if you're not on a good team, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like great sackers in the NFL um, who are uh, play on great teams because they're winning in the second half and they get to tee off on the quarterback and add to their sack totals. <laughs> it's like relievers. If you're not on a great team that isn't always winning, then you're not going to get the kind of numbers. And, and Mariano Rivera was, lucky enough and fortunate enough and contributed to the Yankees being great for his entire career. Uh, just a couple of, of parting thoughts here in terms of their stats. Number one, Rivera did this. He, I think he could have kept going. I mean, he, that, that sure, cutter... He could have pitched a third of an inning uh, every two days. His reliability was outstanding right through to the end. I mean, really, there was no waiver in terms of what he was able to bring to the mound for the Yankees. Um, I, I found it interesting, a couple of tweets yesterday... He was a starter out of the gate, right? 1995, he was a starting pitcher. He started that. 10 games for the Yankees Didn't in 1995. The last batter he faced as a starter, Edgar Martinez. No, that's cool. <laughs> Very good. Somebody did their work on oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. That's, not, that's not mine. So credit to where that, wherever that came from. I just sort of saw that in passing on Twitter. Um, and Moose, I don't know if you remember this, 2008 was his final year. He sort of did a, you know, a, 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 a curtain call. He, he announced before the year this was going to be his last year. He went out there. 20 wins in his last year. Last year. Yeah. The only time he ever did it. And he, that was the only 21 season. And his of his 20th career. win came on his very last start. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So pretty what, what cool. a walk off for him as well. All right. A couple of guys who don't get in, obviously, are worthy of a moment of discussion here. Um, and I don't know they're ever going to get in for a lot of reasons. Bonds and Clemens, both in the mid 70s of the percentage of vote. Um, or or no, I'm no. sorry, in the 60s, needed to get to 75, right? Right at 60. Didn't really increase at all. Needed 75. Um, you want me to start or you? Because uh, I think you're going to go longer than me. I'm going to say, go ahead. I get it. I get why voters have drawn a line in the sand and said, you, uh, you know, whether proven in a court of law or not, but enough in insinuation that PEDs were part of who you were and what you did. I understand that voters have said, I'm not voting for you um, because of that. As players, um, they were both dominant. Roger Clemens, I think, as we talk all about Messina and Halliday, they all longed to be Roger Clemens when they were coming up in their ranks of baseball. So there's no doubting what Clemens and Bonds did as dominant players. But you're tainted, and I think they're always going to be tainted. And frankly, I don't know that they're ever going to get in because I don't know that the that the the anger is ever going to subside about because they're the let's be honest they're they're pretty much the poster childs for PED, are they not? There's others be, because but of the legal be, matters, right? And yes. and their stardom, maybe there were some pretty big stars. Well, because and again, we talk but, about context, but three quarters of the league was doing it. Okay. So you're going to hold it up that, to these two guys. Let, let's go. That's right. That's right. If it was only these superstars who were involved in this, then there, then there's no chance. But everybody was doing this. Right. So and I almost feel like even if you didn't want to or knew you shouldn't do it, the pressure to do it because, well, wait a minute, that guy's doing it. I got to compete with him. I got to get him out um, or he's going to take my spot. I, I, again, it, it has to be explained in the time that it went on. I'm not I'm not saying what they did was right because it wasn't, but I understand why they might have done it. Oh, OK, I'll piggyback off that. Um, I'll start with this. They've got three years left of eligibility. OK, they, they really didn't move up this year. They moved up about one point five percent. That doesn't tell me that, that that's a couple of guys 
decided to change their votes. That's not telling me there's enough of a wave to get them in in the next three years. I'll say this. In the last three years, that's been the norm, about 1.5%. I'm looking at the numbers here. They've jumped about 25% since entering the ballot in 2013. All right? That's more than I would have thought. Three years left. Going to take us to the end of this current CBA. Mm -hmm. There's sort of a lot of things lining up here, okay? We, We just kind of had a discussion here about how the voters have sort of changed their sentiments statistically. Um, we're going to start moving into a generation where you can't just point out three or four stats. You've got to actually look at a, at a career, clutch moments. All those things have to come into play now. Um, statistically speaking, there's obviously no discussion with Pons and Clements. Right. They were the best at what they did for a long time. For a very long For a time. long time. Um, and, and let's not lose sight of the fact that even before fine. the PED accusations come in, they were the best in the league before I, I don't even need to get in there because who knows when they started. Right. Let's not even bring that, that, that okay. part of it into it. Um, we sort of hit the nail on the head. Se- maybe 75% of the league was doing this, right? So put that into context, and this is the way I look at it. They were better at it. <laughs> they were better at using steroids and playing baseball. They were the best steroid baseball players in our, of our generation mm-hmm. in a time when baseball turned their head. Right. Right. They were the best steroid guys who played baseball and then got caught because baseball decided it was time to catch people. Right. 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 Isn't uh, that the, isn't yeah, that, is there arguing? Great, no, it's a great no way to put that. it. It's a great way to put it. So if that's the, the generation that baseball allowed us to have during my peak fandom, right? right? So, so how is, can you hold I'm that sensitive against to this. Is that what you say? How do you hold it my, against My them? thinking is they're going to rise 1.5% again next year and maybe 5% the year after that, and then they're going in in the last they're gonna year. They're going to go in in the last year? Okay. They're going to go in in the last year. We're going to have CBA discussions. This thing might go to a strike, right? I mean, it could get baseball could get ugly, but this is going to be sort of like a parting shot to the current CBA, the current generation of baseball maybe, um, I think they get in on their last ballot. I think I think there's a consensus inside this voter, this voter group that is, let's slow play this. Let's sort of embarrass them for a few more years, which is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, by not moving the needle at all, mm-hmm. the discussion is these guys don't deserve to go in. Right until they're ready to go in. And well, I think, I think the question is: Are happen. we get? Are you going to get to the point with the voters who will say, "Okay, we've hung them out long it, enough. It, let's let's vote them in because we know they were worthy of it," or are these guys going to stick to their guns? Yeah. Look, it doesn't matter. The, the baseball is separate from the Hall of Fame for me, mm-hmm. right? My, when I watch a game on, on, on TV or I go to a game in person, the Hall of Fame, it, it's literally a separate institution, right? It has nothing to do with Major League Baseball at all except for the fact that there's Major League players that are allowed into the Hall of Fame. There's no business connection whatsoever. So if that business th- decides that steroids have to, be, have to stay out, I'm fine with that because I have you know, fond memories of Bonds and Clemens doing what they've done on the baseball field. Um, but my thinking is it would be a disservice to the game to leave out that entire generation just because it wasn't policed as heavily on an annual basis. Yeah, I, I, you bring some you make some great arguments. And, and, and again, it's easy to say they took PEDs, we're not voting them in. But again, like you said, they weren't the only ones. No. They, and and, and the, the sport allowed it to happen. They had to be damn good players. Well, be, they, well, they were. To be that Again, much better regardless than everybody of when else. they started, they already were. That's what I mean. You ha- you had to have a foundation. Not, of- we're not talking about Brady Anderson here. <laughs> exactly. Right? Is that the best <laughs> exactly. example I can give? For those that who don't do know, this for one year. Brady Anderson was a <laughs> slap-hitting center fielder who had a 150 home, right? A 50 home run one, year. One. Like, completely out of the blue, never did it again, never <laughs> did it before. Um, clearly, everybody knew why. So, but we're not talking about that. 
yeah, it's not like these guys went to a clinic and, and, and learned how steroids could affect right. them in a, in, a way, in a way to make them better in the field, right? They just, they had gifts. This, these gifts were enhanced by medication and, and so be it. And that's, that's how I look at it. Those guys were just better at it. But, it, it, you know, just to come full circle here, it, it puts guys like Griffey who have no suspicions of, of PEDs right. into even brighter spotlights for yes. me. Because he was able to stand ahead of some of these guys during this era completely clean. So yep. that's that's where I stand on that. All but. right, so there's our baseball discussion, and uh, and certainly this will continue. And and again, uh, I keep you know waiting to talk to Mike about all these big contracts that are going to come about <laughs> with spring training TBD. less than a couple of weeks away. Nothing yet on it, but when it happens, certainly SpotTrack.com is the place to go, and we'll discuss it on whatever the latest edition of this podcast is. All right, let's shift our gears to football a little bit, and we'll next week we'll discuss, and I know you've already put the tweet out and it's really interesting to look at how the Super Bowl teams were built and some of the differences between the Rams and the Patriots but we'll hold that discussion for next week because this week let's talk about the two teams that lost in the championship games and what their off seasons are going to look like and let's start with the Chiefs who haven't wasted any time already fired their defensive <laughs> coordinator which sort of uh, indicates a lot of what you're going to talk about that that there's some change coming 36 million dollars of cap space for the Chiefs may sound like a lot, but it probably ranks in the bottom third of the league in available cap space, right? It does, and it's already dwindling. They've got some reserve contracts that they, they just posted that I'll get to eventually here. But uh, yeah, that's going to go away quickly. I mean, that's uh, that's about what the Patriots generally hold every year. Mm-hmm. To start, and then it gets down to nothing. Yeah, that's, I mean, we've got you got teams over a hundred million in cap space as yeah. we've discussed here. So thirty six million is not is it, not much. No, not much. And they, and they've got some work to do here, which we'll get to. Um, first of all, what a weekend! It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't want to get into any of the you know no, the cliche I, topics. The, the here, games but. were great, and for most of the country that was stuck inside Oof, that had right. no other options other than sit and watch, which is why the ratings were incredible. The games were great. You to, to, to ask two games to go to overtime to be nail biters to be amazing back and forth battles. Um, it, it was the NFL at its best, and that's why it's the most popular sport in this country, and will continue to be regardless of all of the complaining and other words that you want to choose depending on where your fandom is um I, I choose to look at the games and and be incredibly dazzled by what I saw on the field and all that other stuff is part of the game it always is always will be yes that's perfect <laughs> uh let's fix the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs yeah there's some right. I mean clearly again they've already guessed their defensive coordinator look Andy Reid knows there's fixing that needs to happen yeah that's a three third down and tens that the Patriots convert on that drive in overtime, which is, again, not to drift into topics, which is why I will not buy into the whole outcry about having to change overtime rules. How about you stop the Patriots once on three third and tens before you tell me that Mahomes deserved a series? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if they were just listening to the broadcast, they would have been able to stop it, right? Because that's right. Romo called Edelman across the middle twice and Gronk yep. across the middle once. Yep. So, uh, yeah, obviously there's some scheming, you know, deficiencies with this team, and and boy, I've been hearing Bob Sutton's head on the uh, on the chopping block for about I don't know six I mean, seven they, weeks. They ranked now, in so. the bottom three or four look at, of defenses all season long. But look right? at look at I, I'm a lot more in tune to how this defense got to where where it is. They they've been they've been chopping guys off this defense for five years now because of cap casualties. Right. They've been they, this is a team that's been in cap hell for I don't know half a decade here easily. 
And generally speaking, it's been the defense that's become you know liable to that. They, they've they've lost they, they got rid of Jeremy Macklin, a couple of pieces like that on the offensive side of the ball to sort of handle some money situations there. But generally speaking, they decided to, to extend Eric Berry, which was a mess. Yeah, bad, he's a great a player, move, but not he's, anymore. He's he's just not healthy, and right. even when he's out there, he's not able to hold it up. So and look at he's a tough cut this year too. Uh huh. I mean that's a that's a two year guaranteed deal essentially, and one of which falls into next season. So. They might be stuck with him unless they can do, you know, a post-June first cut and, and really take on some dead cap there just to save a few bucks. A guy who I think is going to have to go is Justin Houston. And we've talked about that a little bit um, in other channels, Paul. But he, he's had a great postseason. He had a great postseason. He had a great finish of the year. He sort of held that defense up on his own when his counterpart, D Ford, sort of had some struggles in terms of alignment. Too. Sure, that's right. <laughs> I mean, good gracious. <clears throat> Uh, Houston's going to save $14 million. He's th- almost 30 years old. He's still playing at a high level, so this is going to be a tough cut for Kansas City, who, you know, if they get a new scheme guy in there, is going to want a guy like Justin Houston on that right side of the defense. But uh, but Ford is the guy you got to pay. Ford is the guy you're going to have to pay. You're, you're probably going to slap him with a tag. It's going to cost about $15.5 million. He's valuing about that, right about that for a multi-year deal. But if he goes to the market, I mean, if he or DeMarcus, DeMarcus Lawrence go to the market out of Dallas, you're talking $20 million. That's just where we're going. That's, that's the Cleo Mack number now. And, uh, you know, anybody who hits the open market in the NFL is going to be overpaid for. And that's just where that's where teams are going to fall. So if he stays, he's, he's get, probably going to get slapped with a tag. The problem is that's a big tag for the Chiefs to handle. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about $30 million in cap space, you're, talking, you're cutting that in half of the franchise right. tag. right. So, but, you know, like I said, uh, getting rid of Justin Houston, 14 million saved, essentially you're paying for the tag for D Ford to do that. So that's a one-to-one situation. I don't know if that makes you better though. Now you're relying on a young guy, maybe somebody you draft. It doesn't make you better, but it's the life in the NFL. It's the economics. But, so you would love to have Houston and Ford coming off of either side. But 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 you, you, it, but if you want to keep Tyreek Hill and you got to pay Mahomes down the road and all other stuff, you, you you can't do it all. And if and clearly the Chiefs are a, an offensive first team, which means you're going to spend sixty five percent of your cap on your offense, and you're going to have hopefully you get enough defense to get by to beat teams thirty five thirty one. You nailed it, and. That's exactly what the Saints are, by the way. Yeah. That's exactly what's always what they've been. Eight years ago, the Saints were the exact same situation that you And that's exactly what the Colts were 10 years ago, too. Perfect. Perfect. And the Saints and the Colts got great defense for no money. Right. Right. They've drafted heavily, um, veteran signings, mm-hmm. minimum minimum veteran signings, mm-hmm. no, no splashes, right? No monster well, contracts. But no middle class. You either draft, you know, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll relay a story to you from Bill Polian, who, who wrote this in his book that. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to spend a lot of money on defense, so he made sure to hire a coach who ran a simple defense, which was Tony Dungy and the cover two, which meant you could draft a kid and plug him right in and not take two years for him to learn the defense because that was a financially driven decision because Bill Polian knew that the assets in Indianapolis needed to go on offense and the defense was never going to shut people down, just hold people to 28 points. You are same thing. That with could not teams. have been more timely. <laughs> I, I tell that story a lot because it's the it's the best story that I can give to people for the merging of cap versus scheme and on the field. It's well, the best. It's where the game has it. come back to. Right. We're, we're here again. We're at, you're, your 65 percent offense might be low. Yeah. Take, I mean, if you've got to pay a quarterback, 
it's going to be more like you're 70. probably into the seventy percent right. range in terms of offensive. So spending. how do you build a you draft. a somewhat you draft. respectable you draft. defense? You draft right, and you need those guys to play right away, which means you can't run the Rex Ryan defense. Oh my God! So how how are we getting to there? How is he the top candidate right now for this defensive job? I don't know. Could there be a more complex defensive coordinator in the league? No. No. Mm-mm. So what are we even thinking about here? Mike, you know as well as I do, this time of year, stuff that gets floated out there gets floated out there for a reason. Rex Agents, Ryan is favors, not taking a bunch of kids buddies, out of the draft and making them you know, successful. Yeah. He's not. No, he never has been able and to And that's do that. what they have to do. They have got to, they've got to make four strong draft picks in 2019. And, and three of those guys probably have to start for this team. Or plug a couple of minimum salary veteran guys in and say, you need to start, you need to know this defense for week one. So, I, yes, you're, you're between both. We're going to talk about the Saints in a minute, too. It's exactly the same. Um, the Saints know, have been successful already. This was a – their defense was ahead of their time right now. This was a defense that was probably supposed to take two or three years to yeah, evolve into Yeah, well, people ripped them for the trade-up for Marcus Davenport in the first I round. Them. People ripped them, and you're like, no, it was a masterstroke. I ripped them because they gave up a lot, but they didn't pay $100 million on free agency for that guy. Bingo. And, Bingo. And that's where we have to stop the buck right. because if, if, if finding the right guy in the draft means you have to give up some assets and trade up, that's a way better trade-off right now. Right. It's a way better trade-off. So, All right, yeah, how, they, much, how much money is Tyreek Hill <laughs> yeah. going to get, and is he going to get it this offseason? Yeah, let's talk about how much this offense is going to cost because they've already got Sammy Watkins fully guaranteed for 2019. Yeah. Whether yeah. they like it or not, they Whether did they that like to it themselves. Or not, they did that March it, 13th. It took them until the championship <laughs> game to have the kind of production they were paying for. They've got Kelsey locked in. They're okay there. They, they locked in the, uh, the running back for a, a two-year extension. Cheap, mm-hmm. dirt cheap, by the way. Yep, yep. So a lot of, they hit a lot of the notes right. Um, but Hill... Look at Hill. Hill's set to make like seven or eighty thousand dollars this year. <laughs> I can't imagine he's going to show up to training camp with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just kind of seeing what he's been able to do. Uh, he values at nineteen million right now. I, I was going to say, how is there any question about how you value Tyreek Hill? Is 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 Antonio no. Brown sort of the no the, the comparison? I mean, more. you know, he does so much for that team and that offense. Is is he the most valuable, highest priced wide receiver in the NFL? He. He is until five minutes from now when we talk about Michael Thomas. True. Okay. Um, Here's the thing with Tyreek Hill. He does everything, but he also does the intangibles. When when Tyreek Hill catches the ball, there's nobody around him for like eight yards. That's when the excitement starts. It's ridiculous. Not only does it get open, he's open by like... By like Unless a first he's down. playing the Patriots' defense, he was shut down pretty yes, well. Yes, he wasn't was. He? Um, but so was Thomas, by the way, right against the Rams. So right. this is a sort of a, a nice connected discussion here. But Tyreek Hill's worth nineteen million. He can ask for twenty if he wants it. Um, he's going to have to take a discount to stay in this team. You're not going to fit nineteen million. How many per more year. years left on his deal? Just the one. So this will, he's going into his last year. Yeah, he's going. He's going to hold out. He'll hold out. He's yeah. going to hold out. This is going to be the first deal to get done for the Chiefs in terms of an extension because Mahomes can't be extended yet. Right. Right. So Mahomes is going to be twenty twenty maybe, unless he's unless they sort of slow play him a little bit, which I could see them trying to do at least. Uh, but Tyreek's going to have to get done this year. I'm hard pressed to see, you know, Sammy Watkins at 16 million and Tyreek at 19, which was going to be more cash wise because of a big bonus. Uh, that's a lot of money for two guys on a team that needs depth. 
this team needs to spread out with a lot of guys right. and make and, it work. And Hill's such a difference maker. He, um, he Let's be honest. Too. He's the reason why the Chiefs did what they did this year. He's the reason. I, everybody loves Mahomes, and I'm not taking anything away from Mahomes, yeah. but Mahomes is not Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. Because of the style of play that Mahomes wants. Because of the style of play, yeah. because of his game-breaking ability, because he, he does things no one else in the NFL can do with his speed and quickness. I, I just wonder. I wonder if there's a a place for Tyreek Hill to just essentially take an inflated version of Sammy Watkins deal, right? We know we're going to start at 16 million, which is what Watkins got. Sure. If we got to get ourselves to 17 and a half, you know, because of the higher cap and right. things like that. And then Watkins is gone after this coming That's year right. anyway, and then you become the, the, the guy you, there. You put so. yourself two plus two, maybe two and a half years guaranteed for Tyreek Hill, which makes tons of sense. He's uh-huh. young and, and versatile. Um, I just wonder if that's the that's the format that they that they try to stick with in terms of their wide receiver spending because look at they're going to need two other wide receivers. Travis Kelsey's getting older. Right. He's still a dominant force. Now here, let me say this to you: Do they believe that Mahomes is so good that <laughs> you can do the Brady ap- approach with him? That if that you can have, give him any receivers and he'll make them five times better than what you think they are. We're going to find out in three years. Yeah. We're going to find out because like, like you said, I think Watkins falls off this roster after 2019. Uh, I, I imagine Hill won't stick around after 2021, 22, whenever that guarantees run out there. So yeah, it's going to be, a, they're going to have to run that model with this kid. Uh, I thought you were going contractually with Brady, by the way. No, no, no. Do you I, think, I was, do you think that's I was a possibility? Going do you think Mahomes is the kind of kid who sets in and says, "Listen, I, if I get, he's valuing at thirty three point five. He's valuing Aaron Rodgers right now." Here's why I might say yes to you. Um, I saw a story through the course of the week where, after being very, very quiet on the endorsement front, right. he has gone nuts. There's like Perfect. twenty things that he's endorsing now. Perfect. Um, so maybe that is part of the strategy of his agent to say, let's load up on the endorsements so we can back off a little on the contract and we know that you can't be you without things around you. Look, it's, it's not an accident that these teams are, are in it every year. Drew, Drew Brees could have got $32 million a year last year when he signed that contract. He took 25. Sure. He took two he for 50. Right. And that's not, a, that's not a Brady kind of savings. I mean, Brady's at $15 million a year. It's ridiculous. Right. But, you know, $5 million under your value... That 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 pays for a wide receiver arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> in a lot yeah. of in a lot of ways. All right, our, so first round pick. So shift to the Saints as you bring up yeah. Drew Brees. Where where you think if we thought thirty six million wasn't a lot of cap space? <laughs> yeah, they're 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 in trouble. They're they're down low. Um, this is just the Saints though. They sort of live right on that line every year, and then they have to put, do a couple of monster uh, salary restructures, which is going to happen again. Um, Brees is probably going to be one of them. Brees has a voidable year in twenty twenty which has already got about $10 million of dead cap on it, I, they're going to add to it. I think they're going to restructure his bonus for upcoming in March here, which is going to mean his cap number right now is, I believe, 33. $33.5 million is his cap figure, the highest in the NFL. Uh, there's no way they can play that out. That's just that's damning to the rest of the Saints roster for 2019. So my guess is they restructure that down to about 27 and a half, 28. Um, which pushes dead cap into 2020, um, which is going to, that's going to be tough if Breeze retires and they have to pay him $15 million of dead cap. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that's just how they operate, though. They push money down the line and, and deal with it when they have to. That's their system. I don't think I condone that for many of the franchises in the league, but, but it's that's allowed how they've them done to keep it. Drew Breeze for as long as they've kept him. That's right. They, they've paid Breeze well. They've paid 
I mean, Breeze has earned a lot more than Brady has, has in terms of his, uh, his, his average annual contract. So they, they've been able to pay Breeze. They've been able to keep a couple of other guys on the roster. But they're living on house money right now, too. They're, they're paying Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara combined like $1.5 million a year. So, uh, but not for much longer. Uh, we talked Kamara about Tyreek. is going to be the interesting discussion well, for down the future because of the nature of the position. Yeah. He's really, really good. But are they going to make a commitment to him? Or are they just going to say, we'll go get the next Alvin Kamara? Let's talk Michael Thomas first. Okay. We talked Tyreek Hill. Thomas is essentially just the taller version of him. And he's worth over 20 million already right he he is he's valuing it to be the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the game his numbers hold up he catches all of his targets he gets open he he's scores the perfect touchdowns. saints wide receiver which they want perfect. their number one guy not always to be the fastest and quickest guy but maybe the more physical guy that's always been sort of the history of drew Brees' wide receiver core and you can see that by his yards after catch stats mm-hmm. which are astronomically higher than even the elite guys so yeah, he, he gets the ball, you know, on short routes and then makes something happen. And that's the kind of receiver you need in this game right now. I mean, you're, you're not going downfield every fourth play anymore because quarterbacks want to get rid of the ball on a second and right. a half. So he's the perfect model for any team, certainly the Saints, certainly with Breeze. Um, so, yeah, again, we talked about the cap space they have. Uh, I don't know how you they're going to have to be creative to make a deal work, but I think they have to get a deal done. I don't think Michael Thomas shows up for, you know, what he's set to make. So uh, is he going to be the highest paid wide receiver in football? I would say yes. I, I don't think he balks. I don't think he takes a deal at all. I think he he knows the situation he's in. He knows how valuable he is. Uh, he knows that there's guys like Kamara coming up who are going to have to get paid. He needs to be the example for this team. Um, look at there's who are the other wide receivers in this team? They're, yeah. they're going to release Cam Meredith, Ted Ginn, uh, you know, Ted Ginn, Kirkwood. Know, again, that's how they're you, really know. you know, Traquan Smith. That's how they've built it with one great receiver yeah. and a bunch of guys that Drew Brees makes 10 times better than they might really be. Yeah. Um, how about the quarterback position? Yeah, is, is there any chance Bridgewater re-signs there knowing that maybe he waits another year and then takes over? Or does he look at the opportunity to go into the market, which I think... You know, who, who's the obvious teams that are going to be in the quarterback market for a Teddy Bridgewater this year? I mean, Jacksonville is number sure, one, but right? Jacksonville could be connected to four or five guys now. Right. Uh, they might want to go with a Flacco and bring a veteran guy in there. So I, I don't think thing. it's a lock that Bridgewater is no, gone. No, no, because a lot of the teams that I think would be interested are teams in the same situation. A Big Ben, a Philip Rivers, an Eli Manning, who might be on their last leg one, two years left, and they want to groom that next guy. So if I'm Bridgewater and the offers I'm getting are for those kinds of teams, I'm staying. I'm coming back. Right. If the Giants cut Eli Manning and open up that job and they were going to draft Haskins from Ohio State in the first round, but they don't want to start him, wouldn't wouldn't that be a spot? We talked about the Giants with Bridgewater a while back, and that's still a great fit for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I am I naive in thinking that Bridgewater might be the best available free agent quarterback? I don't think. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, who, who Flacco. You, oh, I take Bridgewater at age what twenty five. Way more than isn't, any of those isn't guys. Bridgewater more talented than yes. Nick Foles? Yes, he is. Now there there's because he hasn't played a lot in three years coming off that injury. There's questions about that, but at least what we think we know of Teddy Bridgewater, I'd rather have him than any of those guys. Let me tell you about a team who I think is going to be interested in Teddy Bridgewater, and it's the Patriots. Hmm. 
They had a Teddy Bridgewater kind of player in Jacoby Brissett, and they True. loved him, and they hated trading him away, and they right. tried to get him back from Indy. Still mm-hmm. something I think they might try to do. But if Bridgewater's, like I said, if, if, if the only deals he has are, you're, we're, we're going to groom you for a year, and then we're going to make you the man, New Orleans and New England are pretty are two pretty good spot landing spots for yeah, him, right? Yeah, and, and again, compared to a year ago when you had six or seven or eight teams that were desperate, that right. had no real starting quarterback and drafted their starters. And he took a one-year show-me ca- deal. That isn't the case this year. It's it's a, it's somewhat of an oddity that, yeah. that because so many teams have invested in rookie quarterbacks over the last three or four years, there just aren't that many open jobs. Now, you could argue that, that there should be some open jobs, that not every <laughs> one of those rookie quarterbacks have lived up to what they're supposed to. Yeah. But, but again, like you talked about, Jacksonville – assuming they cut Bortles, might be the only team right now where you say, oh, my goodness, there's a starting job I can go take. Yeah, we've talked about this before, the quarterback roulette situation. And we'll have a fun podcast coming up here closer for agency when that all sort of comes into fold. But I keep hearing about all these quarterbacks that are going to be on the move and, and you know, where's Joe Flacco going to start next year and who's mm-hmm. Blake Bortles going to Maybe back nowhere. up? nowhere. Right. We, I can't sit here and find five teams that are going to need a quarterback, Correct. A, leg, a, a legitimate starting quarterback. Yeah. Now, I'll, let me throw this team out just before we, we finish here. Tampa Bay might not be a terrible option for Teddy Bridgewater because Jameis Winston has got to be on the hot seat. Yeah, he's going to make $20 million next year and play out that option, but they've got they've got some money to work with. And if if they don't want to start over with a rookie, because they've had some, they've been burned pretty bad on a couple of rookies there, right? Uh, if they want to bring in a veteran presence like Bridgewater is, and look at he's just he just spent an entire year with with uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. That's got to be worth something, right? To be able to see at least the model that they've run, the way they've done it, the way they've gone through everything, and just get the practice reps that he's had under that system. If if a team like Tampa, you know, with a new coach now who I think would value a quarterback a veteran, like, yes. yeah and again if he's gonna have to sit for a year wouldn't you rather do it in tampa where you know winston's likely gone and you know you can probably beat him out as opposed to sitting behind a breeze I, where you know that's not I, going i to think happen. bridgewater could beat winston out of camp absolutely is my, is my point no question yeah no so, question so i uh i wouldn't discount that team he's also from Teddy florida Bridgewater. miami area as well nice. too so keep that in mind nice. um before we wrap it up with a quick nba note you know i have had a couple conversations with some friends and fans and people over the course of the week talking about the off season and i, I i'm instilling a lot of mike and spot tracks knowledge and this will lead us to a future podcast heading closer to nfl free agency that this will be a free agency unlike any other in the nfl and fans need to think differently they need to think differently about how many teams have all this cap room they also need to think differently about the growing trend of front-loaded short-term contracts in the nfl so um we're going to do we're going to dive into a lot of this because i've as people have asked me about you know particularly the the local teams and so forth what's going to happen you know, my answer is don't get locked in on how many free agents they're going to sign because your team has $100 million in cap space. Look at who might be available around the league to trade for or to sign to big upfront contracts where you don't lock yourself. So it's, I think it's a it's a transitional year in the way you think about the NFL offseason, thanks to what Mike has educated me on. So we'll educate you guys on all that yeah. as well, too. And I think to that point, a lot of teams, especially right now, definitely right now, are looking internally, right? And and if you've they've got cap to burn right now, 
They want to get guys locked in right now when they've got the space to burn. So I, I expect a lot of extensions, a lot of front load ex- extensions, you know, get, get cash in guys' hands. Let's push that cap forward so that we can maybe get a deal in year three. Um, to me, that's going to be a big, big trend in the next month or so. So we'll, we'll try to stay on that as well. All right, wrap it up real quick with a couple of, with a quick NBA yeah. tidbit. Wins versus money spent on starting lineups. What yeah. does it tell us? And this is sort of a snapshot, right? So there's there's some big, big injuries right now in the NBA, and it's sort of hampering things down. Like, like LeBron with the Lakers has just torpedoed that team. I mean, they're out of the playoffs right now. I don't know if that's th- that remains, but Houston, it's... James Harden and a couple of guys, right? And, and that's not working, by the way. Right. Even though he's scoring boatloads. Uh, so I just did a quick snapshot, a uh, little cap fact here to sort of see how it's all hashing out. And it, it, it doesn't surprise me, but this is, the, this is how the numbers bore out. What I did is I took the total cap dollars that have been spent this year for every team. I took the total cap combined cap for the starting five players right now on every team, right? So the starting five cap versus the total cap gave me a percentage. How much are the starting lineup costing each team in terms of cap dollars? And I rank that one to 30 based on the percentage. If you're in the upper echelon, right? If you're, if you're the majority of your cap dollars are being spent to your starting five right now, you're averaging a little over 27 wins in the league about halfway through. If you're not, if you're in the lower half and your starting lineup costs less than 45% of your total cap, if you've got cap to either guys that, that, that you've got rid of or guys that are sitting on your bench or guys who are injured, if that's how you're rolling right now, you're losing about eight wins, 19 wins right now. So it's a big shift. I mean, that's a, that's a playoff shift, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate playoff spot if you're... So mo- money buys wins, money, money, money buys, buys wins, wins in, in the, the NBA. NBA. Yeah, yeah, if you've got a guy, pay him because, that, because you want him around because if you've got an expensive starting lineup out there, that generally translate to about eight more wins. All right, the one anomaly of the Brooklyn Nets. How do you explain the Brooklyn Nets who have They're 25 playing. wins with the lowest starting lineup pay in the league? I thought I was wasting my life watching a couple of Nets games recently because I had nothing better to watch because baseball hasn't started yet. <laughs> um, I, they play their butts off. Mm-hmm. This is a fun team. There's some there's some sort of cast-offs from other teams. Spencer Dinwiddie, who I didn't even know existed until I started watching these games. These are great players. These are great. These aren't superstars. But guess what? You don't have to be in the league to make money. These guys are going to make tons of money. I mean, Brooklyn's got tons of money to spend over the next couple of years. Uh, But the positive for them, yes, they're, you know, they've they've won 25 games with $115 million spent in terms of their cap, which is crazy. This is going to draw free agents. This is going to be a big draw for guys. You know, maybe more so than the Knicks. It's it's the New York place to play. Yeah, the Knicks have what, 10 wins? The Knicks have 15 less wins than the Nets right now. So if you're putting, you know, your stock in one versus the other, yeah, that's a fun team to watch. They're the anomaly. Uh, you know, the Lakers are obviously down low right now because of LeBron. We'll see what happens if he's able to come back healthy. Yeah, they'll, but go from, they'll go from being one of the better value teams to being one of the worst well, he's once 35 LeBron million comes himself. Back. Yeah, right. so yeah. they're right about middle of the road when he's back. So, yeah, yeah it's a, the trade deadline is February 7th, so there's going to be some movement. We'll try to keep things up to date in terms of how that rolls out, and then maybe we'll readdress where we are with new rosters, some injuries, some guys who get back and get healthy, and maybe in a few weeks we'll sort of see how this hashes out and compare the numbers. But as of right now... If you're good and you make money, you're winning games. All right. May, uh, go to SpotTrack.com right now. Mike has his breakdown of analysis of how the Super Bowl teams, the Rams and the Patriots, have spent their money. What what can be determined from that? That'll be, I think, next week's topic for us to discuss. 
diving into numbers, but you can go see him and look at him. There's some pretty interesting stuff there. I think it was a lot closer to the way that the Rams and Patriots have spent their money than I thought it might have been. But hold your yeah, thoughts a few on areas that too, right? for next week. We'll do that next week. Any updates on any baseball signings and any other developments around the world of sports as it relates to contracts, this is the place to come. SpotTrack.com, the SpotTrack podcast. Please rate us on iTunes and all your other uh, podcast available places. And make sure you join us for next week week's edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast.